none of it matters, but <laughs> just confused as to why it would matter, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> whose podcast is it anyway? Where the topics are made up and the points don't matter? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 302 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined by the usual criminals, Seth Miller, Fosma Mood. Gentlemen. Good evening. Stephen, I graciously and humbly accept your apology. It was <laughs> unnecessary and truly a magnanimous gesture on your part. And what the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, we wish I showed you a picture. It's 85 degrees in my office today, and if I stand up, it's 95. So, and that's with the air conditioner running finally. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's 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 terrible to me. Heat wave. Yeah, you you stand up and you're in a different climate. Like it's. it's but awful. if I go sit in this, it's in the attic. So if I go sit in the stairs, I think it's like five degrees cooler because the cold <laughs> air goes down. Yep. But I got a door, and so I close the door, and so the air gets trapped in those stairs. And so at the end of the night, I usually spend a few minutes just relaxing in the stairs before opening the door back into the <laughs> sweatier outdoor area downstairs that doesn't have air conditioning so I can run to the bedroom to fall asleep. Oh, man. So you have microclimates in your attic? In my house, yeah. There's multiple microclimates. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> I've been just... needing to get more, like, extensions to my uh, climate stuff. And, like, add them as extra zones and report it to Weather Underground to really confuse <laughs> forecasting globally. Um, oh, my God. You guys know that weather forecasting globally has actually been hampered by all the airplanes being grounded, right? Yeah, because they use that for, like, sit reps, right? And things like yeah, that. Yeah, they use – they pull, like, uh, jet stream data and things like that off the airplanes to figure out overall flows and such, or like, on the globe. So the airplanes flying and report in their current climate data – and especially like winds and such, that becomes a big part of the overall forecast. And with all the planes grounded and fewer routes being flown and fewer flights, the number, like the data available, is significantly less. And you know, with statistics and such, you've got less good data. It's really hard to calculate it. So, if I can help that problem by adding more data into the system, regardless if of whether it's, it's good data or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're just you're doing everybody a service. Yeah, I should also warn you that I've refilled my cocktail this evening. So. <laughs> um. So I was going to say, is this weather better or worse than New York for you? Um, I mean, the the weather in New York is also terrible right now. So there's that. But when we lived in New York, it never really, really got this bad. But the other thing to consider is that normally when it's this bad, mm -hmm. I mean, this year in particular is worse than usual. It's just the number of days where it's been this hot is much higher yeah. um and and the hot hot the like the upper edge has been higher you know the extremes but normally we have a, a plan we go to a movie or something else during the day and then go out to dinner and basically hop from air conditioning to air conditioning you yeah. know pretend we live in the south essentially <laughs> um and then come back and go to sleep and we can't do that now because nothing is open yeah 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 it makes it tough to to try and manage the heat that way um, if this continues too much longer, I may actually, though, go buy a hotel room in town that has better air conditioning than my house does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds terrible, man. I mean, that's it's, those temps. It's, it's bad. The numbers are bad. Like, I I, said, I grew up in North Florida in you know, the swamps that there. And so, like, I'm used to I, I'm familiar with hot. I'm not used to it anymore. It's been 25 years since I lived there, I guess. But um, wait, you have open hotels near you? Yeah. Well, that's good. It was I drove down um, Lex yesterday. It was really eerie to see the Marriott closed. Yeah, wow. I can imagine. Is I mean, how much stuff is open in New York now? 
I mean, pretty much all the restaurants have outdoor seating. They've basically taken over the parking in front of the restaurants and just moved outside, which is a very pleasant experience on a garbage day. <laughs> That's how I want my meal. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. the side of warm trash. Exactly. Hey, uh, welcome to New York City, where we still haven't quite figured out how to deal with trash. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we've got some news topics to talk about, and uh, one of them is Foz's follow-up to the Northwest strike uh, details that we talked about last show. And Foz, what's your, your general feeling on this? You had a lot of people disagreeing with you or correcting you. My point was that they busted an individual union. I didn't say they get got rid of all of the ground crew. And if that's how it came off, then I apologize. But that wasn't the intent at all. I was trying to recollect something from 15 years ago in the back of my head. And we don't have a producer. so Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I try, but I'm, I'm not as good as you and, and Seth, Seth did point out the fact. I, I, I managed to find the year, but that was about all. I didn't try that hard. All I cared about was the year. I, you know, my Google searching was much more limited than it probably needed to be. So, so I, I'm guessing the people who are mad were the former Northwest Flyers that you know just have a really strong desire to be yeah, right about it. I don't know. I don't know. There's also let's be clear, like there's it's uh, I, I, there's something to be said for getting the details right, and we do Correct. try. Correct, but. We're sometimes sometimes we screw up. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even something we planned to talk about, right? It was just something that came up in conversation. So I remember it happening. I didn't remember all the details. So, I mean, I think, you know, uh, we'll, try and, we'll try and research a little more next time. Um, face covering rules are getting more serious. So airlines are actually, like, kicking people off and banning people. And Supposedly saying, the Delta plane turned around the other day. Uh, just uh, like we're back to the origin because people weren't wearing masks. I'm, I'm surprised. Um, I actually got an email from a mutual friend of ours. Uh, he responded to me over the weekend that on June 8th, I wrote, you know, he asked me about masks in my opinion. And on June 8th, I wrote to him, quote, the airlines don't want that fight. And the FAs absolutely do not want that fight. Very unlikely in my opinion that we'll see anything more than what was already in place. Mm. And I was wrong. Um, the airline stepped up, and yeah, right. We got Delta saying it was 100 or 120 or 130 passengers banned now through the end of mask wearing requirements, um, and potentially with this plane turning around, it's we have JetBlue's banned people confirmed, Americans confirmed, I think United's confirmed, so Alaska, like they're all actually doing it, which is a little surprising to me. Um, on the other hand, I kind of wonder if this was a flight attendant. Uh, union situation where they're like, you're putting us in a high risk environment. You have to take our back. You know, you got to support us. You have our back on this one. Hmm. Right. Because I, other than that, does the airline really care was my theory. And I guess they could argue that if too many people are not wearing masks, then, you know, if 10% of passengers don't want to wear masks and 90% do, will the 10% scare off the other 90% and probably to an extent. But I, so, so here's my question about this. So I've read, some accounts from Alaska flyers that certain flights, they don't enforce it. Other flights they do. Well, it still depends on the flight attendant. That's the problem. Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe the flight attendant doesn't want to get in someone's face. Doesn't want to yeah. get, have a confrontation. Well, the flight uh, attendants can give you a yellow card though. Uh, I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> just, be- just before this call, you know, Foz sent me a text and said, would you fly Alaska to New York or would you fly JetBlue from, you know, mint? And I said, JetBlue. Especially mint. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, for, for, for multiple for multiple reasons, I think JetBlue would probably be better. I think they have a culture that would say the mask thing. You you have to wear a mask. I don't feel like you're going to be guaranteed that on Alaska necessarily. 
And especially in mint, JetBlue is also blocking the seats, and so you're guaranteed a very large amount of space. Yeah. So there you go, Fuzz. So wait, they're blocking the aisle seats in mint? Yep. Hmm. Or they were, last I checked. I mean, interesting. Yeah. Also, there's no one really buying the tickets anyways, so. <laughs> it's under $400. It's ridiculous. Right, that, that was your uh, Newark, LA, right? Yeah. Well, it's a new market for them. Uh, are you they're trying to make work? They're also like they've canceled and scaled back a lot of the new routes. They haven't canceled any, but they've scaled back some of the frequencies just because. I mean, since they announced them, New York went back on quarantine, so inbound. Um, so, I mean, Foz, are you like actually thinking of traveling soon? I actually bought a ticket today for New York, LA. Yeah. Wow. Is this like a Stephen buying a ticket where you're just going to refund it tomorrow, or is this actually buying a ticket? Oh, shut Ouch. up. <laughs> actually, actually, I, I bought LA and Newark. I haven't bought Newark, LA yet. Yeah. Um, now, now I actually need to go out there. <laughs> so I, I will actually have to take the trip. I, can't, I don't think returning it uh, tomorrow will be a reality. And amazingly, United even had PZ space open. Well, I mean, they're flying 737s most of the time, right? No. Newark, LA, there's a 78. Uh, ten. There's a triple seven two hundred and a seven six three and two seven fives. Wow. Yeah, they pulled the seven five. The PS seven or not? Not the PS seven fives though. Those are dead or gone. They pulled those the sixteen F or sixteen J seven fives back out of the desert. Gotcha. Wow. So when's this trip, Foz? End of the mo- end of August. Okay, we'll need a full report then because it yeah. sounds like you'll be the first one to travel out of us. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to throw one thing, another thing up there about the um, face masks. There's an interesting sort of split between how the airlines have approached their increased enforcement, and so United and Delta, have, United Delta, American, Southwest, Alaska, JetBlue, they've all said, no, no, really, we're requiring it now. Mm-hmm. Um, the I think last week. Four of them, American, Southwest, Delta, and United, reiterated, no, no, really, we mean it, wear a mask. And Delta and United raised it as, you know, they all say now it's required from when you enter the building to when you leave, not just when you're on board. And Delta and United said, if you have a problem with that, talk to us and we'll see what we can do. I think Delta's version of it is you actually get put on a phone call with the company doctor and they decide if they think that you're safe to fly. And this is, I guess, supposed to get around the HIPAA concerns um, Mm. because it's a doctor that you have to talk to. I don't know. Um, And, but American and Southwest have apparently just simply said, if you can't wear a mask, you won't be on our planes. And there's some concern from the disabled community that there are people with legitimate uh, reasons for not wearing masks that are now going to get screwed by this. And I feel like a little bit this is sort of the uh, service animal situation where too many people abused it and now people who actually need it maybe don't get to use it because of that. But it was an interesting angle on the conversation of are there people who really can't wear masks that otherwise should be able to fly? Well, based on the things I've seen people in videos saying, one, it's carbon monoxide that we're breathing in uh, because we're wearing a mask. I, I don't know that I trust anyone's opinion for their medical reasons. I'm putting quotes around that. I mean I'm sure there are people with le- legitimate – problems, issues, asthma, disabilities, etc. But, I mean, when you have people just refusing to wear a mask or wearing a crocheted mask with giant holes in it, you know, it, yeah. it kind of defeats Those are pretty purpose. awesome. Did you see the, com- the comment on that? I was like, this, this pattern's actually really hard. I don't know why anyone <laughs> would try to make it. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I mean, it's, so for the airlines to say, we're not going to accept you at all, um, that's, I mean, that's a stretch. I mean, that's a, that's a big move by them, right? Yeah. I mean, how long before someone decides to just poke the bear and wear a hazmat suit on board? I think we've seen it already, though. Yeah. 
people have been wearing full hazmat suits. And oh, I didn't see that yet. Yeah, there's pictures out there floating around of people wearing crazy stuff. So, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I thought that was an interesting angle on it, though. The, uh, the conversation around, you know, people with legitimate disabilities and, you know, I guess the question is, does every airline, is every airline obligated to accommodate those? And I think the answer is actually probably yes, but I'm not sure mm-hmm. from the ADAA. Um, yeah, I just don't know. It was an interesting yeah. counterpoint to the, please stop, you know, please make sure you're wearing a mask. We're just not putting up with the BS anymore. Yeah, and I wonder, like, how, okay, so now, you, now you've got to, this person's got to tell whoever's in the airport multiple times, oh, I don't have to wear one, I have a disability. Right. Um, which is even more invasive, I think, than compared Maybe to... Maybe you get a green card to walk around with. <laughs> well, you, you laugh about that, but there are, I want to say it's Heathrow, maybe, has a program where if you have, like, a hidden disability, you can ask at an information desk for a lanyard that has, like, sunflowers on it, I think. And you wear the lanyard, and all the employees know that if you see someone with this, there's a reason that they're, they need extra assistance or extra time and to, like, appropriately respond. So there are some programs at airports to try to deal with that sort of thing. Obviously, ramping something like that up in this circumstance is, you know, harder. But yeah, there's yeah. some cool systems out there. Yeah. Um, Brussels is getting a CBP preclearance station. Just That's kind of random story. news. <laughs> like, wasn't expecting that. It's, uh, yeah, it would, would not have been the first one I selected. I mean, I mean it's, it's an easy one, right? The only There's only, what, six destinations to the U.S. that fly out of there? Yeah, I think so. It's something small. Yeah, yeah, very small, right? So it's an easy one. I just wonder wonder how they're going to do it because right now they have the international terminal. I guess they're just going to designate some gates as preclearance and just same way they do the African flights where they close off part of the end of the terminal in the evening. Would CBP accept that though? Like, right? I bit I did the walkthrough when they opened up CBP at uh, JFK T five when JetBlue opened that up. And the number of extra facilities that CBP requires is impressive, to say the least. Like, there's a full courtroom available. Hmm. You know, like, secured, heavy concrete, rebar, reinforced space that, you know, listening devices can't get in kind of thing. Like, they've got, they've essentially got a prison built into the terminal just in case. So, in Stockholm, they just took the end of one of the piers and there was a glass wall. Well, that's not preclearance. Yeah, it was. When? Uh, a couple of years ago when I flew it. You had CBP or you had security? I thought it was CBP. Maybe. No, you might be right. You it's like be. it's like Frankfurt where you walk down to the end of the Z gates. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. Right. I'm confused. I'm thinking of Dublin and mixing Dublin up with... Uh, but Dublin, the old Dublin, right, was downstairs in that little... There was nothing. Still is. No, no. Well, in the old building. Now it's got the new building. Okay. But the old building was literally like the... It was like one of the old rotundas at Newark where it was just downstairs. You'd go downstairs. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure it can be done. It would be just the level to which CBP has, I'll say, escalated or enhanced to those facilities lately makes me wonder how. And I, and I and I don't also don't think that the Africa flights in Brussels are like that anymore. I don't think it's a temporary closure. It's now permanent. So you can only act like you can only access the club if you're on the Africa flights. You can really only access the terminal technically if you have an Africa flight on a ticket. I mean, I accidentally did it with a friend of ours, uh, and then we were turned away at the terminal. So. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I guess they could use the Africa terminal technically and just cut off like part of that section and make it permanently CBP. They only need like three gates. Yeah. And there's timing on, right. I mean, the Africa flights leave relatively early. The U S flights probably leave afterwards. There might be enough of a gap that they can make it work. Yep. Do do the Africa flights leave in the morning or the evening? Uh, when I did it, it was morning. 
Yeah, I think okay, for the most part they time with the U.S. connections. Yeah, it's daytime down, evening back, or red eye back. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I mean it's it's random to me. I feel like I just like more random than Abu Dhabi. Uh, yeah, true. <laughs> Touche, sir. Because <laughs> <laughs> Abu Dhabi, I mean, at the time when things were really running, did Abu Dhabi probably had more seats mm-hmm. with seven seven Ws and stuff everywhere? Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, there's yeah, no doubt it probably had more seats. It probably still has more seats, right? When you think about it, what are the flights out of Brussels? You've got three, four United flights? Three? And you've got and Brussels Air to Chicago, JFK, Dulles. Do they even do Chicago? Well, I say what's running right now. Though. That's the oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know what's running. Knowing that none of this is actually going to operate, you know, this isn't happening this year. I sort of get, like, planning ahead and whatever. But it's, it's interesting. It's also worth noting that Brussels Air uh, Airlines got its uh, bailout. So they're not going to not going to be sold completely to the Lufthansa, state. No. Or the state. Yeah. yeah, no, Lufthansa's keeping their portion, and the state's shipping in some cash. But also, Lufthansa is launching a quote Ocean unquote, which is their newer version of what was the City Line long haul, I guess. Uh, and it's going to be it's going to be some new weird long haul low cost carrier ish operation, but it's going to be operated by Brussels Airlines now rather than a separate company. So who knows what the hell's going on there? Just what we don't need, right? <laughs> Another new long haul low cost carrier. Yeah, yeah. In the time of pandemic, especially. So wait a minute. Brussels was going to be the low cost carrier. Then they decided they're not going to do that, but they're going to start another low cost carrier, which is going to be run by Brussels. Right. Okay, that makes total sense. Well, the difference is, though, that Lufthansa will use those planes from Lufthansa destinations, not from or from German hubs, not just from Brussels. But weren't they going to do that anyways with the low-cost Brussels when they were going to uh, converting Brussels into low-cost carrier last year? Eh, fine. <laughs> Honestly, I don't remember. That was a long time ago, and this run is delicious. So what? I mean, with them operating, basically, how much of this is going to take Brussels operations, right? Like, are they dropping some of the Africa flights to to supplement uh, this new low-cost carrier? I'm, Do you think yeah. they need to drop anything? I don't know. That's what I'm asking. Like, I, I, It doesn't make sense to me that they – I mean, it's not like they have a bunch of planes just sitting around or did. They actually do right now. But remember, they were also getting planes from Eurowings, right? Mm, yeah. Yes, they can uh, – German – German wing? I mean, long haul would be city line planes, but it's unclear which of those are going to keep operating. But, yeah, I mean, things are going to move around. That's part of why all these mega groups have the multiple different operators, right? Is they can move the aircraft around amongst their different individual AOCs, airline operating certificates, or the different companies to maximize value and reduce cost. Well, if, they, if, they, if they're going to operate a low-cost carrier, can they at least fly to Portland? No. You're gonna fly a low Condor cost carrier. Wait, you're gonna fly a low cost carrier out of Portland. If if it gets me nonstop to Europe out of here, yes. And I can use I can use United Miles on it. Yes. Even if they don't have business, I'm sure it'll have like they're a business. Have business. Yeah, they'll have a business class. Reclining business? No, I bet it's flatbeds. Okay. I bet there's fewer of them. It's, remember, I mean, that's what the city line long haul was, right? It's a much smaller business class cabin for leisure markets. But they didn't have life flats. No. Lufty doesn't have life flats. Lefty does. Yes, they do. Now, on some of the planes, not all of them. No, no, they've they all been con- they've all been converted now. All the A three thirties, yeah, all the A three thirties and three four sixes have been converted. So I guess it's been a while since I've been in Lefty. Yeah. Um, Emirates is offering COVID insurance to all passengers built into your ticket price. Lovely. How much is this going to add to my ticket price? You're not going to find Emirates anyways on a cash ticket, are you? Eh, maybe. I don't know. Higher. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, I. 
at this point, it's basically, uh, well, there's two takes on it. One is it's a lost leader to get people in the seats and it doesn't matter. Uh, the second take is that there's enough different uh, reasons it doesn't really work anyways that it probably doesn't help you as a consumer. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, what does the, the insurance the, actually cover? So the gist of it is if you are hit with uh, COVID-19-related medical expenses or quarantine costs, uh, other than a mandatory quarantine that is imposed by the country on arrival that you knew about when you left, so like if you test positive and they force you to quarantine, they'll cover it. If you just, because you're going to country X, you are required to quarantine, they won't. Um, They also, they cover all of that. They cover repatriation, um, including changing your flights. Uh, There's... I'm sure I'm just reading through this here. Uh, hospital costs up to 150,000 euros. Uh, accommodation costs related to quarantine up to 100 euro per day. Uh, and, you know, funeral costs up to 1,500 euros are among the things. So it's, it's really funny to read the, like, exclusions where it says that um, events that might may include it are, that may exclude it are pandemics and epidemics. Uh, except it's expressly con- covered under the sections. <laughs> so like, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's the standard clause, except for these. Um, but the other interesting one is if you travel against your national uh, government's advice t- as a destination. So if you're, you know, if you're for a Brit and the FCO says don't go to these countries and you go anyways, you're excluded, <laughs> for example. So it's there's a lot of holes in it, but it's an interesting approach to trying to get people back on planes. Do you think it's going to work? Do you, mean, do you think you'll see people see this insurance policy and go, um, I can get on a plane now? I don't think there's a lot of people saying, gosh, I'm not going to fly because what if I'm forced to quarantine while mm-hmm. I'm there? Right. There's a lot of people saying, I don't want to go somewhere because what if I'm forced to quarantine when I come home? Mm-hmm. There's people saying, I don't want to quor- I don't want to fly because I'm worried about getting sick on the road or any of those other things. But I don't think um, and I guess sick on the road, this would cover you. But all this does is cover the expenses, not the fact that you're now stuck in a foreign hospital dealing with having COVID. So yeah, 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 probably not great. I mean, it's a, it's a novel, it's a novel idea. Um, I just, I don't see it adding much benefit. Yeah, but it was a great press release. Yeah. I, I got an interesting email from Emirates actually. That was like, Oh, we're, we're offering a bunch of like stuff for you when you're on the plane to be safe. And we're putting our flight attendants in. They had like a flight attendant and like all this garb, like medical garb. Um, and they're like, yeah, and we're going to offer you a cover for your face. We're going to offer you a cover for your whole – all your clothing. I was just like, wow, OK. You know, it's, it's nice. I still don't think I want to fly right now. All right. So this is a really big problem for the industry is what will it take for the customer, to, the passenger to feel comfortable on board? And it's both physically comfortable and health comfortable. And Delta has said multiple times recently that they're blocking middle seats, not necessarily I – mean, in the press releases, they've said it's for medical reasons. In the less press release versions, they've said it's because passengers feel more comfortable that way. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're actually necessarily safer, but that's what our pass- how our passengers feel more comfortable. And until they're past that, we're going to keep doing this because we think it's helping us sell tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's a really interesting challenge for the industry of what does it take for a passenger to, to feel comfortable and how are they going to get more people on planes buying fares? And if it's because all the flight attendants are fully hazmatted up, okay. You know, there's been, I was in a discussion on Twitter. I was like, yeah, if I see the flight attendant wearing that shit, I'm going to think that I shouldn't be here because it's clearly not safe for all of us to be in the space together. And some people agreed, some people disagreed. It's Twitter. So it was, you know, very civil and calm conversation, as you might oh, imagine. Of course. Yes. Always. But <laughs> based on the responses for Foz's Northwest strike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But anyway, like, 
I don't know. I, I think it's there's a lot of throw a bunch of, throw a bunch against the wall and see what sticks going on right now amongst the entire industry. And very, there's I got two briefings on Tuesday to listen to. We're recording this on Monday. I've got two different or one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday for my ADA um, and the Wings Club and this and that talking about similar things and what is it going to get better anytime soon and how are the airlines dealing with it and the mask thing that we talked about earlier was clearly because they're trying to make more passengers feel more comfortable on planes and if they can they can afford to get rid of the ten percent who don't want to wear masks in favor of the ninety percent who absolutely demand that everybody else around them does. Mm. But so. how much does all this actually help the airlines, right, without the business traveler? I think at this point they're just trying to stay afloat. But can they stay afloat on leisure traveler is the question. It depends on the airline. Allegiant, sure, but the majors, right? They, they're they very dependent on business travel. And like Bastion's saying that he wants to be break even by the end of the year, I don't really see business travel returning until there's a vaccine. Well, Google just announced that they're going to have work from home available through the middle of the next year, so who knows? Um, and on top of this, right, like Ethiopian is now requiring... Oh, I typed that wrong. I'm sorry. That's supposed to be Etihad. E-Y. Oh, Etihad. Sorry. Oh. I typed it wrong. But I can oh, fix it oh. real time. Uh, <laughs> Etihad is requiring a negative test before boarding their flights. Um, and we've talked about testing before. And a lot of tests are done like a day or two before, you know, so they the, need... Because the Etihad test is within 96 hours. Yep. So they actually give you a relatively large window unless you're in the United States where the turnaround time is 10 to 14 days. Unless you happen to be a professional sports athlete. And you can get and, it same day. Yeah, but I mean, it's cool because you get tested and then give it to all your teammates and then baseball season's canceled. Yeah, that was fun while it lasted. Yeah, we got like, what, six games in? Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, I mean, Etihad's going to require this negative test. Uh, I guess if you buy a ticket and you test positive, will they refund? Have they said? I don't know. I the only news I've seen on that that I remember. And I would imagine the answer is yes, but the only right because it's not like you're going to go out of your way to get COVID to get out of a plane ticket, um, and it would be hard to in some sense uh, depending on where you live. Obviously, uh, in the United States, it's actually pretty easy. Uh, but in uh, you know the the closest I saw to that was in the U.S. The U.S. carriers all agreed, or the ones that are members of Airlines for America, all agreed that if the uh, DHS, if uh, TSA implemented uh, temperature checks, mm-hmm. that anyone who was denied boarding because they failed a temperature check would have their ticket refunded. No oh, questions okay. asked. Or, okay. yeah, few questions asked. Um, and I don't know if you guys saw, actually, and I didn't put this in the notes, but Southwest actually installed its own thermo, thermo scanners in Love Field in Dallas. And the quote on that was, yes, we're trying to demonstrate to the TSA how easy and effective it would be so that they'll take over doing this or something to that effect. <laughs> well, that'll work out well. Yeah. Oh, my no. God. I'm pretty yeah. soon I'll just go to the TSA for my medical exams. Um, they would love to do that. <laughs> uh, be careful, man. I've seen some press releases that are real interesting. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Walk through, like, full biometrics, you know, the full workup, all the stuff that happens before the doctor gets into the room, all on a walk-through machine. Blood pressure, pulse, pulse ox, temperature, weight, like, and a face. Yeah. And, well, I mean, that's been happening for years now. Uh, but, like, and tie that to a picture of your face that's tied to the facial recognition database so they know which passenger you are. Oh, lovely. Yeah. yeah. So much for privacy. Yeah. That, sailed, that ship sailed a long time ago. Um, so, I, I mean, I mean, it's great that they're trying, they're trying to keep their passengers safe with the test if you can get the test done in time, right? And, that's a, and I think that's mostly a U.S. thing. The, the inability to get tests results in a reasonable time frame is mostly the U.S. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I guess good on Etihad for requiring that. Um, I'm surprised we haven't seen more carriers say something similar. It's it's also in line with the IATA 
push, and I think they're trying to get ICAO to do the same thing, of saying, we want to essentially make air travel in and of itself a clean bubble, mm-hmm. which we've talked about a little bit before. We're like, if you check everybody before they get in to the system, then there's a very good chance that everybody inside is clean, and you your concerns about mask wearing drop. Now, you still ask for it because it matters, but maybe not as much if you know that everybody has already tested negative, right? And so it, you get a little more leeway and a little more flexibility for all those things if you can pull it off. Yeah, because I mean, even even so, like, are, are we going to see passengers suing airlines because they if someone does have COVID on a plane and gets the person next to them sick, are people going to sue the airlines? I, I would say in America, that's a real, very real possibility. Right, in America, you're going to sue everybody, aren't you? Well, yeah. How else? How else do I become an instant millionaire? Um, anyway, so I mean, you, but I, I could see that. 60, I could, 65% of a millionaire. Come on, there's commission. Yeah, there's fees to be paid. True. But I, but you know what I mean, though, is like, yeah. <laughs> I could totally see that happening where, you know, a passenger gets sick and they say, well, I got this from this flight. I'm suing the airline because it's their fault. They didn't ensure my safety. But how do you prove you got on a particular flight? I don't know. This is where contract, tas- co- contact tracing would really come in handy. But yeah. So is that why we're not doing contact tracing? <laughs> no, I'm not going to go down the conspiracy road with you. Uh, uh, well, fine. <laughs> I think you just took his fun away. Yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, I just I'm just thinking out loud, like what what I would what I can see the American passenger, the average American passenger doing if they became infected with COVID. My opinion of what would happen. Yeah. So, um, what about One World Upgrade Awards? There's been rumors of this coming, um, and a part of it's with Alaska's entry into One World before the end of the year, which is the plan right now. Um, what's the story, Seth? So the version of it I saw was reading a story from uh, Brett Cranky Flyer. Basically, mm-hmm. he did an interview with some folks from One World and from Alaska Airlines. And one of the big uh, sort of positives that Alaska mentioned as why they wanted to join was uh, upgrades. And it was like, and he was like, wait, what? And the answer is upgrades. Um, and right now, there is not a cross-alliance upgrade program, but it's been reported many times to be coming, and there is, you know, the quote, um, Rob, who is uh, the, I'm not forgetting his name, Rob Gurney, who is the One World CEO, confirming, quote, uh, he told me that the expectation is that the upgrade program should be functioning around the time Alaska comes online later this year, end quote. Um, no details on what that includes. I'm guessing it's going to look a lot like Starlands Upgrade Awards, so be mostly useless. But that's just because I'm not a business traveler on high fares. Yeah, it'll probably. I mean, if it's like the Star Alliance, it's going to be extremely, you know, almost full fare tickets that are eligible for the mileage upgrades. Yeah, right. And then you still pay, and then you still have to find the award space and everything else. So, yeah. um, it, listen, I good on them for trying. Um, whatever it is, I will say it's offering anything, even if it's something that I can't use or that I think is mostly useless, is still better than not offering it. That doesn't make it great, but it makes it better than nothing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Do you think that Alaska will be able to wrap up their joining of one one before the end of the year? You think that's reasonable? Ish. All right. I mean, it's mostly IT work, yeah. I feel like, in all of these things. you got They got to negotiate a lot of contracts. Okay, fine. There's a, Generally speaking, that comes down to uh, boilerplate stuff that you sort of lather and repeat across all the airlines, um, especially within an alliance, because there's just not a lot of flexibility in terms of how it comes together. Mm-hmm. But um, separate from that, there's the discussion about, you know, can you get all the systems integrated? And as a group, the big three alliances have been working towards sort of uh, middleware platforms where you plug in once and you get access to everybody rather than plugging into each individual partner. 
Um, I'm not sure that they're fully there yet, so it does slow things down a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And then it becomes a question of you know which employee groups got furloughed and how much priority does Alaska place on this happening. But it's possible, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, there was some. I've seen some questions people asking about you know, well, what's the what's the frequent flyer program going to look like? Are we going to see another tier? And I'm I'm kind of like, yeah, let's just wait and see. Uh, does it need another tier? Because they need to have a one world. I forget which order the the gems go in, but there's three of them, right? Emerald, Sapphire, and Ruby. Yeah, I don't think that they need another tier, but I, I think that what you're going to have is you're going to have a lot of American flyers potentially abandoning ship and flying Alaska if they can to get Emerald because it takes seventy five thousand miles instead of instead of a hundred thousand. Yeah, and the spend and everything else. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's what, very. What like, if those same, wouldn't those same passengers have already abandoned ship for a different airline already? Did I say already twice in that that's, sentence? That's a good. That's a good point. Right, like, could they not have? I don't know what the right answer is. Would they not have already gone to BA or someone else? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Foz, do you have any thoughts on that? Not really. <laughs> it's not like PMI, right? Oh. Yeah, no. I think the biggest thing. I mean, maybe or is Alaska. It? Well, I don't think so. I, I mean, I that was an off the cuff sort of glib remark, but does Alaska suddenly become the BMI? of one world as BMI was to star Alliance, this weird, much easier to earn top tier status environment. I could, I could honestly see Alaska going to a revenue based system sometime in the near future. I think it'll piss a lot of people off, but I, I think it's realistic. You think so though? Yeah. I mean, I think so fast simply because, you know, why not? I would say that if they were to go revenue base, it would only be for partner flights, not Alaska metal. Mm, mm. That would make sense. Do you think it would push people away if they went revenue-based? It's like, okay, well, why not just fly American then? Well, I think part of it is, right? Remember, most of Alaska's flights are short, yeah. right? So it would make it very hard to earn status, and they don't want to disenfranchise their people in you know, Seattle and Portland. Hard to earn because of the 500-mile minimums then? Or, yeah. like, um, I guess... Well, and just price of flights too, right? Yeah, because pr- there's so much competition on the West, right? So yeah. you, there's not a lot of premium you're charging people. So I think that's going to have that'll impact things a lot. And I, that's so just too like many have, too many seventy nine dollar flights, essentially. Exactly. So just like they have two tiers of earning criteria, one for Alaska only and one for Alaska Plus partners, I would venture to I'd put money on the fact that they for the partners they'd start putting a revenue minimum, but not their own. Mm-hmm. You, meant, you meant two redemption tiers, not earning. They have two earning tiers as well, right? Yeah, yeah, they have two earning tiers. Oh, for status? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I thought so you were talking about awards. I know because I know their their partner awards thing gets really weird. No, no. If you earn like if I earned only through like cafe flying or BA flying, I have to earn more miles. So instead of seventy five thousand, I have to yeah. earn I have to earn ninety thousand. So. Yep. Uh, I just remember that like their partner awards are usually weirdly priced, and there's like especially and it varies by partner. Yeah, it varies by partner. You can only have one partner on an award. You can't mix partners, but yeah, because they're on that'll Alaska. change though. You, maybe right. What, there's going to have to be a one world award, right? There'll be a one world award, but can you tag on all the other non one world partners? Probably, not. I doubt it. Yeah, I wonder if that's. I wonder if that's how it's going to work because, like, say, you know, the, the most efficient way to get from JFK to Hong Kong, that's if you can't find anything on the nonstop, might be you know Finnair. Um, will they actually sell that? Because they won't sell that to you now. They ha- they restrict a lot of their awards based on geography. You know, that's a pretty big stretch. That assumes Finnair would open up award space. <laughs> Touche, but you know what I mean. Like, th- like they they restrict right now. You can't go to Asia via Europe. Well, all the part, all the even American does that. Oh, right? really? Yeah, they yeah. all have restrictions. American's on- super weirdly restrictive. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't realize that. And like India to the U.S. can only be Trans Pacific on American or via Doha. Qatar, either yeah. Doha or Abu Dhabi. No, it's only Doha because I try to be Abu Dhabi. Or if it's Abu Dhabi, then it's got to be on a nonstop back to the United States. You can't go through Europe. Yes, exactly. Okay. 
there's a lot of weird restrictions that make United's old rules look simple and United's (laughs) old rules were nothing close to simple. (laughs) Oh man. Um, last up is go air. India is essentially offering a private plane experience ish. Kinda. Kinda. They're calling it go fly private. So go air. India is one of the smaller, uh, airlines in India, but they're decent size. Um, I guess. Uh, and as the market is coming back and we, you know, we're sort of tying into our earlier conversation, what does it take for you to feel comfortable? Do you need an extra seat next to you? Well, buying an empty seat next to you is relatively easy on a lot of airlines, right? It depends. There's a syntax matters, but you basically put in the seat, you know, the passenger name is extra seat slash Miller or whatever it is. Um, GoAir is taking that a step further and with what they're calling GoFly Private, where you email them and tell them what flight you want to be on and you tell them how much space you want. And if you want a row in front of you and a row behind you blocked, you can buy nine seats just for you. And they will, it's, you know, it's not something that you can just do online. It's not an easy purchase. You have to email them and tell them what you want. And then they get back to you and tell you what it's going to cost. And you complete the transaction. It's not a quick process. It's more like, you know, if you can think about buying like group tickets where you go through a sales agent and this and that. But the idea again of like, what can we do to make this ticket, com- you know, make this passenger comfortable if they, if you want to buy out, and maybe you're traveling with, you know, family and you want to buy a row for you to sit in and then block the row ahead of you and behind you to make your sort of, you know, 30 inches forward and backward one meter of spacing. I don't know. Uh, you can do that. Hmm. I think it's, I, I, part of me just think it's like silly and bizarre, but also I, I sort of get it. If you're trying to make passengers feel more comfortable, why wouldn't you give them the option to buy as many? And also like in a lot of cases, like if they can't sell the seats anyways, why not give them an opportunity to sell them as blocked? Yeah. Yeah, if they're not gonna, if they're not gonna be able to, you know, sell that seat as sold. They'll just sell it as an empty seat and charge a yeah. little less or whatever. Yeah, so that's an interesting thing, right? Like generally, when you buy extra seats, you can't earn miles on them, and if you can, you can, it's only redeemable. Sure. Why not use this as an opportunity to let folks earn miles as well? I, in a conversation I had a couple of weeks back, probably five or six weeks ago now, um, we were having a conversation about loyalty programs and how they could part, you know, uh, play in this era of you know new travel and. It was right around the time that Frontier had gotten so much shit for trying to sell empty seats as a cash thing. And I, my comment was, you can't have block seats forever, but why not offer a redemption of block the seat next to me at a slight discount to the normal award seat price? And it has to be, you know, maybe it has to be accompanied by a cash ticket so there's still real money coming in, not just paper money on the books. You know, some things like that. But I'm all in favor of coming up with creative ways to make that extra seat smart for the business. I mean, I'd gladly buy an extra seat or two, and if I could earn a million miler miles on it. <laughs> Foz, is, Foz is thinking ahead. He's, He's got playing a very the long specific game. Target. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy oh. half the cabin. Half the cabin on a seven eight. Yeah. At what price? Well, right now there's twenty six dollar Newark to LA fares. <laughs> so okay, half price thirteen bucks. <laughs> I'll buy them all. <laughs> At twenty six, I'd pay full price. <laughs> hey. Right, at twenty six bucks each, you could buy fifty, and it would be like grand. Which yeah, just d- don't let don't let anyone sit. Don't let anyone sit in my my two entire rows, three entire rows, <laughs> three entire rows. I would like the C zone uh, <laughs> mini cabin. Thank you. <laughs> and I'll be back half of the aircraft. I'll be no, taking, the flight attendants will not be allowed back here either. <laughs> I will be taking my dinner in those seats right there, and I will be making a bed there. <laughs> oh man! And you can you know. So you're stretching in the aisle all on your own with or without pants. pants. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. 
that's that's UA yes pants to counter your LH no pants situation. (laughs) I'm glad we had that moment right there, Foz. That that makes me feel very warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah, timing was perfect. (laughs) If only Rolo was here. One of these days, we'll get him back. Uh, We'd have to come off the boat. Yeah, in summer. It'll be, it'll be the fall. It'll be fine after the after the boat goes back in, into the into storage. <laughs> you guys uh, have any other thoughts? Anything else you want to talk about? No, no. Sweet. Well, to our listeners, thank you for listening. If you'd like to become a Patreon subscriber and get the content a little early, uh, you can go to Patreon and look us up, Dots, Lines, and Destinations. Uh, we also have a link on the, the website. Uh, or you can follow us on Twitter, ask us a question, maybe we'll answer it on air. We're at Dots, Lines, more Dots, more Lines.com. Thanks for listening. Happy travels soon. Take, take care. Well, like eventually, but I'll go with it. <laughs> you know, it's strange. I don't even miss traveling right now. It's really weird. <laughs>